I don't know what's real. I don't know what's not real. Limited Capacity is a collection of six darkly amusing stories about the mysterious ways we interact with the internet and with each other. There's something going on with him. It's like an act. I don't trust him. What? You're staring at me like I should say something, but I don't really know what to do here. That's the whole name of the game. Don't talk about how the town isn't real. Do you understand? Limited Capacity. Available now on CBC Listen or wherever you get your podcasts. This is a CBC Podcast. Welcome to Sick Boy, a podcast where we talk about what it's like to be sick. This week's guest is Christopher. He has periuresis. Let's talk about it. Well, this is going to be very interesting, I think. Um, we're joined today with our new friend Christopher from down in uh, New York City. And uh, Chris, I, I mean, you know, like we're going to be talking about something that we haven't really touched on the show before. Um, uh, a, a very specific sort of lane of social anxiety. Um, but before we get into it, I just yes. want to say... Very cool that you are the senior editor at Fast Company Magazine, um, considering your your high school dropout. Uh, that's yeah. uh, that's pretty neat. Uh, maybe give our, our listeners a little bit of insight into who you are and uh, sort of how you found yourself where you are today as a senior editor for for a magazine. Yes, correct. Um, so uh, that was you know I had re- I just completed a book on this topic called Uneducated, and it's really about the. Um, how higher education and, and college uh, and education in general defines us as people. And um, mm. I had realized at some point working as a journalist, actually early on, but, you know, as as I've worked as a journalist for almost 20 years, realizing that my um, lack of a proper education was um, an anomaly, really, in the industry of journalism that most people I had um, worked with and still work with have gone to really good schools, um, very often Ivy League schools. Um, so I, my perspective uh, as someone who basically got, you know, ejected from high school for lack of a better word in in, in eleventh grade, uh, I thought was could bring some insight into the, you know, to the um, topic of higher education in college. Um, there's a whole, um, there's a whole theme in the book about social anxiety. And part mm. of that is because when you are the sort of outsider at work, you create all these sort of coping mechanisms to, um, you know, you know, to um, hide the fact that you don't fit in. In my case, you know, I'm a white guy, so I look like a lot of people in media. Um, and it was pretty, you know, there were ways for me to not talk about education, but it was one of the things that I was always terrified would come up in, in conversation. Um, mm. And so this was, this is sort of the thrust of the book is how um, there's this thing that makes you different that um, you have to sort of work around and um, overcompensate for in a lot of ways. I think I spent a lot of nights working, you know, <laughs> harder than a lot of people staying later than people just because I thought, you know, I, there was a part of me that just felt like I had no right to be where I was. Right. Mm. And even to this day, I still feel that way. Although Fast Company has been extremely, extremely supportive in this project and really sees the value in what I'm trying to say about education. So I do have to say that because mm. a lot of companies might not be. Right. Uh, did you ever did you ever have the sense? Did you ever feel like that guy from the first episode of the rehearsal with Nathan Fielder where I you was had also to thinking uh, about that? <laughs> where you had to lie about your education to your trivia team. 
Yeah. And then did you ever feel like you had to set up like an elaborate (laughs) fake scenario (laughs) where you practiced ad nauseum telling them? (laughs) I feel bad for anybody who hasn't watched that show. Have you seen the rehearsal? I I have not, but the pop culture is littered with those kinds of stories. George Costanza, you know, pretending he's an architect. Right, right. (laughs) That's right. That's right. With Van... Uh, uh, what's it called? Vandalay 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 Industries. Industries. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, I never actually lied. That's the thing is I I got an internship and I did, I really wrestled with, should I just make something up? Like I I grew up in New Jersey. So I'm like, why don't I just say I went to Princeton? Who's going to like, do they really check? That was actually a conversation I had with myself. And then I said, no, I don't want to do that because then 10 years from now, someone's going to come tap me on the shoulder and say, Hey dude, what the hell? You know, someone's going to mm. find out. So yeah. I didn't, I ended up not doing that. And um, I just hoped people wouldn't ask and people didn't <laughs> ask in enough cases. <laughs> I mean, it, it took, uh, it took George Santos all the way to the U S Congress, you know? <laughs> yeah. I really, I, really know, I, I don't know what his story is. <laughs> <laughs> He's got an interesting story. It sounds like it, but who knows what's real. Did you, did you ever feel like, um, like it, how do you feel about, like, I think I, I also didn't go to university, uh, end up being like an entrepreneur in, uh, in, 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 in down a few different, a couple different avenues. Yeah. And a lot of my, a, a far greater amount of my close friend group did not go to university and, and, and also went into either entrepreneurship or like, or like trades where they have be have they where they've been very successful and yeah. and 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 so I've always I've sort of come up into my adulthood um, with this idea that uh, that a a university education uh, or and the importance of it is in a lot of ways a, a gigantic misconception by the by the general public as like a necessity to yeah. any, t- any type yeah. of success or um, like attainment of any kind in, in, in your life in terms of your, your, I I know that, I know that not having it puts up barriers and obstacles in terms of maybe getting to where you want to go. But I've always viewed it as, as like a, like this kind of gross misconception by the general public that it, that it says anything in particular or important about a person. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, it does it does say something. I don't want to devalue in it, uh, a college education because I do think that um, I think it matters to a lot of people and it mm-hmm. matters for good reasons, especially in certain industries. You don't want your doctor um, right. to be some guy who got kicked out of high school, <laughs> uh, I, unless you do, which is fine. But um, but <laughs> what I what I would say about that is the the business community does see it as a signal of your uh, yes. ability and your it, it sees it as a proxy, and that's really really the main proxy that they use. So that's where the real barriers come in, because if you don't have that piece of paper, that degree, it, there's a lot of places, a lot of doors are going to be closed. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd love to kind of dive into the discussion surrounding social phobias and, and mm-hmm. social anxiety. Um, and uh, I know in particular, we're going to be talking at length about, now let me, please correct me, but the, mm-hmm. the pronunciation of this, uh, is it uh, periuresis? Uh, my understanding, <laughs> this is amazing because I, again, having suffered uh, with this condition for uh, many years, I still can't properly say it, but I'm going to say it the best I can. Pararesis. Pararesis. Uh, pararesis. Okay. And the reason I know that is because I had to do the audio version of my book. So we, you know, my uh, audio engineer and myself had to say it multiple times, <laughs> try to right. get it right. So I think it's pararesis and the, uh, the colloquial term is shy bladder syndrome. And, um, that is, that's, um, 
I think that's where the pop culture uh, version of it really um, kind of seeps in. That's what people remember. Like mm. I've, I've had this my whole life and I didn't even know there was a, a proper word for it. I think mm. until Google came along and I, and I Googled it years, you know, years mm. ago, but like, you know, uh, much later in my uh, course of having it. So um, I don't think the word is well known, um, but it's really common. I think it's, I think it's a pretty common condition on the extreme end. I don't, I don't know how common it is, but I think it's probably common enough to where enough people, should we describe what it is or? Yeah, please. Yeah, please. I mean, please do. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, um, yeah, go for it. Give us, give us your, your take on, on, uh, Pararesis. Uh, pararesis. Yeah. So I, it is the, um, I would call it the extreme or, or irrational uh, fear of public urination and it's urination, particularly go using a public bathroom or urinating where there's other people around or where you're in a situation where you have limited time or where you're afraid that you might um, be judged in some way. Um, and that is that's the fear. And it's recognized as a, as an anxiety disorder or social phobia in the um, the DSM-5, which is the big handbook that um, that the, the mental health community, that the health community uses to mm -hmm. um, to diagnose. So it's a, it's a real condition, recognized condition. Um, it uh, on the extreme end, which I think I probably had a, a pretty extreme version of it, you got you learn to you have to really kind of rearrange your life around it, like. You have to understand, like, if you're going out in a social situation, you have to know where that bathroom's going to be that you can use. And if there isn't one, you sometimes have to get creative. When I was a younger man and I would be out in the club scene and stuff, there were, would be times when I'd have to go out and find an alleyway somewhere um, more on more than one occasion. But that's the kind of stuff you think about when you go out, you know, as someone with this condition. It's like, what you, you're always thinking, where am I going to be able to go? Because if not, I can't go out. Right. But, yeah. So it's not so so because because uh, Jer was Jer was um, talking to me about about um, uh, about this yesterday in preparation for speaking with you and 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 the kind of the one of the first things that came up into my mind was like you know is it is it something where 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 it it has to do with people being around you know if there if there is no one around but you are you know like you said like you're in an alleyway it sounds like yeah it sounds like. If it's absent like ABC factors, then yeah. being outside of your own home, like I was like, is it your, can you only urinate in your own home or is it, or, 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 or is it absent these, like a, these certain factors then you yeah. are able to? I, I think it's diff probably a di little bit different for everybody, but mm -hmm. um, in my case, it was really, um, it's really about the fear of the fear. And I think this is a common hmm. issue with social phobia and performance anxiety type conditions in particular it's really the the fear of knowing you're going to have this issue come up right. and knowing you're going to be in that situation is really what makes it snowball so like if you're afraid of public speaking for example you you might um you, you sweat you shake uh I, I know this because i'm terrified of public speaking um and so every time i have to speak in a meeting and there's people looking at me i know i know these these uh things are going to be an issue and i start to I let that fear snowball. So with this, uh, you know, with the shy bladder condition, like that, that fear actually prohibits you from relieving yourself, which is one right. of the most basic things we can do. Mm. And you, and people say, people would say stuff like, well, you'll do, you'll go if you have to go bad enough. And I'm like, no, that's actually not true. People damage their kidneys sometimes because they have to hold it in to, mm. to the, you know, to an extreme extent. And one example I can give 
when I was younger, uh, I was not used to taking airplane trips. So I wasn't aware that, you know, when you get into that little room, how, you know, sort of <laughs> that little air, airline air, airplane bathroom, how terrifying that was going to be for me. And it was a short trip. It was like Orlando to New York City. Um, but I, I drank a Coca-Cola, you know, during the trip um, and like suddenly had to, you know, urinate and I just couldn't. And like, this was like, we still had an hour, hour to go on the flight. And I'm like, what, what the hell am I going to do? Am I going to do? My girlfriend's like, she's like, just go, what's wrong with you? And like, that was like, that was a wake up call because like when you're on an airplane, you can't jump out the window. Mm. Um, so like that was a wake up call that I, I had to, I had to, you know, kind of deal with it, uh, and, and fix it or it was going to, it was really going to, um, I don't know. It was going to, I was going to have to arrange my life around yeah. it. And I really didn't want to do that. I, I mean, like, you know, I, I know the, uh, and I think you, you can also speak to this. Like there is a, there have been a number of moments in my life where I have to piss really badly, but for whatever reason, psychologically, my body is incapable of, of performing that action. And, and more often than not, the times that I've had this feeling, which haven't, hasn't been, um, it hasn't been a lot over the span of my life, but it, but it's always been when I am um, under some sort of hospital admission. Mm -hmm. So, so you know, I had a, I had a, I had a uh, abdominal surgery a number of years ago, laparoscopic surgery to remove parts of my uh, uh, my large intestine. And after the surgery, you know, I'd be like laying in this bed for days on end, and I would have to piss. I would like get up, go to the bathroom. And like stand there and just like begging my body and brain to just let this piss come out of me. But for whatever reason, psychologically, my, my, my brain body connection just like could not allow my urinary sphincter to, to release. And it's yeah, like, that, that's exactly what it is. Exactly. It, and it, and it, that for anyone who doesn't know that feeling is the, it's the well, worst. it's very annoying. It's the worst. It, it, I mean, especially if you're, especially if you are very consciously trying to will it. Yes, like yeah. psychologically, it's not necessarily. It's almost like harder because there's a. I could, I understand the the hospital thing. The same thing happened to me when I got hit by a car. I just couldn't. That's right. It's like a. I think there's a trauma. I think it's sure. probably a trauma from the surgery that's like residual, like residing in you, which was the case with me with getting hit. Sure, but you and know what? Like I, I even had it. Just even can't do even it. just when I was admitted, just for like um like a lung infection. And and I don't know I don't know what it is what causes it if it has to do with like you know just just receiving like IV fluids to the point where your bladder fills up pretty quickly and and yeah, maybe there's that, some that sort of be. like or could it be that you that you knew there was like there was a part of you that knew there was nowhere else to go and that was like uh, that that's that's how it always is for me it's like I almost have to negotiate with myself where could where can you go to, to if, if, and worst case scenario. And if there's that, like, even if there's like a minor chance, like I could tell myself, oh, I'll just leave the party and I won't come back. Like that helps because I right. know that there's, there's an escape. That's why the airplane uh, scenario is so extreme because there's no, you know, there's nowhere to go. You can't negotiate with yourself because you know, um, you know, there's, you, there's, you know, there's no escape from an right. airplane. When you, when you experience this, what part of you, is not allowing it to happen. Is it is it is it your brain saying don't do this or is it your brain or your your thinking saying please do this but your body won't. Mm. Yeah, it's it's the latter. It's your 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 brain 
knows to do it. Your body, for some reason, won't cooperate. And then the fear of those two things not being in alignment then makes it mm, worse. Right. Uh, the part that I actually have created this sort of shadow version of my psyche that I do that I negotiate with. And these these tactics have only worked for me. I'm not saying that this is necessarily a, a treatment everyone should try. But what's worked for me is I'll actually say to myself, okay, you know what I'm going to do standing here like at the urinal or at the at the toilet. I'm like, I'm going to take a dollar and flush it down the toilet. And for every minute you make me stand here, it's going to be $5 and I'll throw 20. And I never have to actually flush the money down the toilet. But the, but the other, the shadow version of me is like, all right, fine. You're going to play this game. Let's, let's just get it over with. And then I can go and it's fine. Mm. I learned that over many, many, many years that that works. I don't know why it works, but did you come up with that? Or was that I, like, I did, did you yeah, see a no, psychologist? I just came up with it. No, it's like, but I, I did, I have learned, you know, in studying the condition that there's, um, uh, this sort of exposure therapy, I think is really, mm. really one of the, one of the core treatments. Um, and that, that is, that was kind of a version of exposure therapy because you mm. try that in certain situations. Once you learn, you can start doing it more, you get less nervous about it. And then I think that's where the, that's where the, um, the, the treatment is really successful. Because right. you, it reminds me, it reminds me of, um, of this episode of, uh, I don't know if you remember this, Jared, it was like, what, did you listen to Invisibilia when yeah. it came out? Um, this podcast years ago now, like five, six, seven years ago now called Invisibilia. And it was all about these like invisible conditions that people, um, invisible things that people deal with. Um, and one of them was, was this guy who he he had, he, I don't think he, he didn't have a history of, of OCD. Uh, but I believe that's ultimately what it was diagnosed as where he went into the kitchen one day and his wife was making dinner or he was making dinner to get, they were making dinner together and he had a knife in his hand. He was cutting, cutting, cutting vegetables. And it just occurred to him in this intrusive thought moment, like, what if I stabbed my wife? And, and, and he became like, and he had no intention. He had no ill will. Like he just had this intrusive thought. It came and went, but then it, but actually it didn't, it didn't go. And he just, and he just kept on ruminating on it. And he became extremely fearful that he was, that he was a danger to his family, even though he knew that he wasn't like it, you know what I mean? It sounds very yeah, much like yeah. what you're describing in terms of like the fear of the fear. Like he had yeah. no intention whatsoever. And and he worked with a psychologist that worked with exposure therapy where they, where he basically said like, I want you to be, I want you to hold a knife. I thought you were going to say that. to me, like he actually getting, got him to I'm hold the knife to the therapist. You're in this. Yeah. And, and, and it was like, and, and it was really only once he actually held a knife to this therapist's throat at, at the therapist's wow. at, uh, like request yeah. that he realized like, Oh, this is not something that I'm capable of doing at all. I don't know why I ever thought that I was capable of doing this or why I was afraid of this. And it was it's just a fascinating just to do with like these anxieties that we develop in our minds, like these irrational mm. um yeah. like loops that we get caught on. Yeah, and I think that that I think that the exposure therapy is uh that's the general principle is that you do it slowly and and in more and more situations. Now, I live in New York City, um, which is probably the worst place on earth for someone with the shy bladder syndrome, because yeah. there are 
there's no alleyway to duck into usually because we don't have alleyways here really. And uh, there's people everywhere and the bathrooms are, they never work. There's, there's no locks on the doors. The mm. stalls are ridiculous. You know, they're like, you know, uh, rickety and like you can usually see underneath them. It's not like Europe where it's like, you go, Europe is like a heaven if you, <laughs> if you have shy bladder syndrome because every stall is like a little room. Yeah. 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 Oh my God. I love, how, how luxurious do you yeah. feel when you get I, I love going to a restaurant so, where you get individual stalls. I'm, I'm so yeah. I, I, have a, I have a question though, just like just to kind of help me wrap my head around your particular case of paresis. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um. Uh. So so like you know when I think of so the plane the plane example right you're on a plane yeah. you go to the little tiny tiny bathroom on the plane and you can't pee. Yeah. But that but that little tiny bathroom is a is is you know, it's separated from, from the rest of the cabin. It's its own little space. It's like, um, you know, sure. There's people right outside that door sitting, you know, in like in row two, uh, against the window or whatever. And yeah. they've got like a beat, they've got like a sight line on the door of the bathroom. They're, if you're they, at the front noticed, or whatever, they've, they've noticed you've gone in, in how long you've been <laughs> in there. Yeah, exactly. Totally. I yeah. totally, I get all that. Um, but it is like your own private space. Right. So, um, I like, I can, if you don't mind, I'd love to like just kind of throw some like particular scenarios your yeah. way, and you tell me if if this was something that you had like that you had a challenge with, or that you, or the, yeah. you know that you struggled with. So, um, so like the need for complete privacy when going to the yeah. toilet was that something that you needed or, or yes. not necessarily? Okay. Yes. Uh, not not anymore so much. I've actually sure. you know I've I've come a long way. Um, but yes, then and and. Uh, that was that was a no that was like non-negotiable you had it had to had be to private be. and okay. uh it, but th there were some exceptions like a really big bathroom where there's actually music playing and a lot of noise and distractions that mm. actually wasn't as bad because then there's a lot less focus on like every little tiny noise that you make right my next that question is. was actually going to be like w it, was there a fear of other people hearing the the like piss hit the water kind of thing Yes. And, and, and it wasn't really so much that I cared what they thought. It was that I was worried that that fear was going to then tr trigger the symptoms. Right. And so it's weird because like, I would tell myself, I don't really care. Like, you know, but as much as you say that the physical part, when the physical part doesn't work, you, there's no way out of it. There's no right. way. Right. Yeah. Right. And now was there, was there any kind of like, and, and, you know, I hope it's okay that I get really specific here. Of course. Um, yeah. But what about like fear of, of like fear of other people smelling urine? Was there, was there any of no, that? That, 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 no, I, I, I don't think so. Because by the time you're at that point, like, you know, you're, you're halfway there. So. Yeah. Right. 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 I don't, I don't think that would have been, a, that wouldn't have been a problem. <laughs> what about, what about like an inability have you ever to smelled pee in a, like, like the pee that, somebody else has just released. <laughs> I mean, I know that bathrooms can smell like pee in generally. And in New York, generally I can't smell anything. Ever. And yeah. you, you, <laughs> New, New York just smells like urine. We're all so used to that smell. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, what about like, in, so obviously like public toilets are one thing, but what about urinating at somebody else's home? It, that would depend uh, on, on a few different factors. If, if I, uh, if it was a big party and, I, there was a lot of noise outside that could be challenging if it was a small little gathering and I could get up 
and no one's going to notice because everyone's like having a conversation. And I know I got at least, you know, 10 minutes before anyone really notices I'm gone. Right. Uh, that might be okay. So now, what, just if, what, what about urinating at your own house if you had guests over? Sometimes that would be a problem. Yeah, right. That, right. that would definitely be a problem. Uh, and, you know, that because there's, there's the, un, the fear of the unknown. Um, yeah. Yeah. Right. There's so many, there's so many things in this conversation that like, cause whenever we speak to anybody about anything, we're, we're always trying to <clears throat> trying to like understand and relate and see like where in this person's experience have I experienced like, you know, a sliver of that. Yeah. Um, and there's like, and as I hear you speak, I'm like, I'm actually kind of shocked at how many little things I noticed that, uh, not specifically with urination, but just using the bathroom in general in public that I think about subconsciously when I am in, when I go to the bathroom, like, like going to like an airport bathroom is a great example. You know, lots of like, you know, several stalls lined up together yeah. and there's, you know, you can see underneath them and, you know, you can see them, you can see the feet of the person next to you, you know, you, uh, some I, airports are worse than others. Yeah. Yeah. And sure. like, I, I can, I'm thinking, shout out to the Halifax international airport. Uh, the bathrooms there fucking phenomenal. Well, they've just done complete, just, complete, they, complete privacy walled ceiling, like yeah. floor to ceiling, new renovation. I mean, for every airport so out there that's doing renovations, so Full, full floor to, floor to ceiling privacy Just in your bathrooms that. if you're yeah. very good. But like the idea, like if I was going to the bathroom and I needed to poop and, and I, and I was alone and then somebody walked in, I'd be like, oh. I wouldn't stop me, but I, 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 I'm realizing in this conversation that I, yeah. I go, oh, damn it. I, I mean, wish I was by myself. I had a, I'd be I, a lot better if I was, I definitely, um, that just the, makes you normal, though. I think. Yeah, yeah, I think so too. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. I, but I, but I think it speaks to like the way that when people listen to this conversation, they can go like, "This yeah. isn't. This is just this. What you're dealing with is just, you know, like several. You know, it's just f further down the spectrum of like what a lot of people can identify with at some point in their like experience of mm. being like a human in the world." I think yeah. so. I think I think that's true. There's probably there probably is a spectrum of it. I mean, there's sure. uh, it's. It, I think it does again relate to this performance anxiety is something that a lot of people have in different situations. Different things trigger it. Um, we all get nervous about something. So I think, mm -hmm. like you said, anybody should anybody theoretically could relate to being in a situation where their body is just not cooperating yeah. with what their mind wants them to do, which is another thing that happens with public speaking. You know, your voice constricts and yeah. suddenly you can't, you can't remember what words mean. And I, it's a whole bunch of horrifying we've, things. We've done, we've done some speaking events, um, um, typically keynotes at conferences. And I can remember one specific moment. I don't know what conference it was at. Um, and, and it's not even something that the audience would have clocked. You, you and Bri probably would have noticed. But there was a moment where I, where I just lost my place and it's like a rehearsed thing and we know what we're going to say. Mm -hmm. Um, and in that like fraction of a second where you, where it just dawns on you that you've, you've like, you're just in the, in the black abyss. Oh yeah. Of, of, of space. Dude, I mind. have nightmares of that. And, and I just like immediate sweat. 
Oh yeah. Cause like public speaking doesn't phase me at all actually. But in that, in that moment where I blanked, I went, yeah. I like my, my chest started vibrating. Yeah. My head, my forehead started swaying. Now imagine that feeling. Cause I've had this a couple of times. Imagine that feeling on stage in the middle of a fucking play. And you forget where you are in the play, the lines you're supposed to be saying right now. And there's a fucking story ongoing. And you this are just is, yeah. going, fuck. <laughs> no. This is, why, this, is, this is why I love, not to go on off too much of a tangent, but this is why I love Broadway and theater so much. Yes. Because those people are geniuses. And yeah. you always have to get up and do the standing ovation at the end because yeah. they have worked really hard. I don't know, I can't, I don't know how they do that. It's, ins- it's totally I, My mind incredible. goes blank so easily when I get nervous <laughs> or flustered. And yeah, to have that, that's why they're professionals. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Are you tired of hearing the same old wellness advice? It's time to dig deeper and listen to America Dissected from Crooked Media, the podcast that's cutting into the science, culture, and policy that shapes our health. From doctors fighting for their rights to the surprising truths about sunscreen, America Dissected dives deep into the state of health. Tune in every Tuesday for new episodes of America Dissected, available on all major podcast platforms. Talking about pararesis, I hope I didn't butcher that. Um, it it's it's it reminds me a lot of agoraphobia. It, it, yeah. it you know there, there's a there it, there's a lot of similarities to. I mean, even even speaking about it, it makes me wonder like how many people experience this and this and and pararesis leading to agoraphobia. I mean. I- that's a really good question. I, I think that um, it's weird because like we don't talk about it that much. I, I don't feel like I, I mentioned, you know, I think before I came on here that pop culture has a few, uh, you know, throwaway jokes where they make fun of shy bladder syndrome. Um, but it's really not it's not like I don't think people know about it as much as like agoraphobia, for example. That's a little bit that seems a little bit more well-known but they seem very similar in the sense that you have to change you have to rearrange your life to fit to make to fit the condition basically Mm. and if the fear like like you like you said how it could lead to yeah um how it could lead to that i mean like if you've got if if it's left if it's left um unchecked or if the person who's dealing with it doesn't you know isn't actively trying to you know improve the con- the condition or the symptoms yeah. of the condition um and expose themselves how it, how it could very easily lead to the like well i just won't go i just won't go anywhere yeah yeah, yeah exactly it's like i you know it's easier for me to just stay at home yeah um i i would like to know like do you have any do you have any um you know examples of specific examples of how this irrational fear this phobia yeah um like had a direct effect on either your physical health or your or your like your own social well-being um yeah like, how did it affect your social life how did it affect you how did it affect you physically if, if there was any moments where like you know it really started to become a fucking actual physical issue for you it, it started as a kid um and uh i would just when i was a kid and Catholic school, I would just hold it in all day. And um, that was, that led to lots of bladder infections. And my parents didn't really know why I was getting these bladder infections. And it came up one day when an adult sat me down, maybe it was my parents, maybe it was a doctor sat me down and said, what, what's going on? Why? 
you know, are you going to the bathroom at school? And I'd be like, no, I don't. I just hold it in because I, I can't use the bathroom at school. And that that was probably the first time I realized it was different because when you're that young, you don't realize what you're doing is necessarily. I knew it was different that other kids could and I couldn't, but I didn't think it was going to be an issue physically, but it was. It gave me bladder infection. So that, would, mm. that was probably the first time that um, I noticed it was actually affecting me. And then in terms of like my my social life, um, you know, I mentioned before about I was big in uh, in the music scene when I was in my really early 20s. Um, there, there were always those those punk clubs, those old punk clubs. You know, there's never a, a door on the bathroom like yeah. CBGB is yeah. notorious. Like there's not even I only it's a toilet in the middle of a room and no stalls. And so, like, you know, you have to find you have to go out and like find a, an alleyway somewhere. Like that's what I used to do. And uh, that was that's not something you can continue to do as an adult. I don't think mm. if you want to be a functioning adult. Um, so those are probably two, two examples where it really impacted me. And then my decision to move to New York, you know, I weighed it heavily because I was like, how am I going to function there? And that's when I just realized, realized I had to, to fix it. Mm. And so, and so how, like, what was the, you know, did you seek, did you seek, was it like CBT or, you know, some sort of like therapy that, that you, you sought out to, to try to solve this issue that you were, you were facing? I, I didn't seek therapy and I didn't, uh, and I didn't seek any specific treatment. And that's like likely a result of my own ignorance at the time of really the fact that this was an actual recognized condition. I don't even think I fully knew that at this time. When I moved to New York, I was probably, you know, th- uh, 35. So like I was old enough to know, to know, but I still, didn't have a lot of experience with, um, you know, uh, mental, you know, conditions in an official sense. So um, what I did was uh, I did what I knew worked. And that was that, that sort of, sort of negotiation tactics, Mm. that slow uh, exposure therapy. I didn't know it was exposure therapy at the time. I didn't know that's what I was doing. I I later learned that that's sort of what it's called. All this stuff I did on on my own. um, And it was really because it, when when I when you move to New York City and you're you know you're throwing yourself into those situations and so that I think it really is that sort of classic face your fears scenario yeah, yeah right in your in your in in the in the like in your tw- like late like your teens in your twenties when you are you're involved in the music scene and you're at a clubs and you're finding yourselves you're finding yourself going and finding these workarounds for not having to use you know, whatever the bathroom facilities are, did that, what, what, did, what did your, what did like your friends know about this? Was this something that was like completely hidden? Yeah. Were you, were, were they aware of it or were you just like, I got to go out and like friends, I got to go out and smoke. And they're like, you don't smoke. Yeah. Friends or like <laughs> yeah. roommates or, or even like, you know, romantic partners, that kind of thing. Like, I, yeah. What were the, what were the conversations like with them? I, it was pretty hidden. I, I don't think I, we didn't talk about it much. And I think this was probably another reason that it went on for as long as it did because we i came from a really working class you know neighborhood this gets back to the the education uh discussion where education was not really a priority for most people in my peer group um and neither was talking about your feelings Mm, so we didn't we didn't talk about our feelings and if if they knew about it they would have made fun of me (laughs) <laughs> and so I kept it hidden. I would run, you know, hide, do go somewhere and come back. And some, sometimes they'd say, you know, Hey, Zara, where, where were you just now? But like, 
that's that's the extent of it. I, I, right. I certainly wouldn't make myself uh, vulnerable at that time just because mm. of the peer group I was involved with. Man, isn't that the isn't that like the the like I I think I, I don't want to use the word tragic in like in in attributed to you, but like in the sense sure. of like broadly, like all the things that people go through. Yeah. And like how common that that feeling is that like I just can't I just can't I can't say that because you know, this is what's coming down the pipe if 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 the thing that I'm dealing with um is found out or people know about it whether that is like whether that is ultimately true or just like a thought that we have mm. that that's what the truth is that that yeah we know what's in store for us um i think it's one way that the that the internet has really made the world better because um pre-internet you know you yeah. you couldn't find community but now mm. if i wanted to go on a, a, par, a pararesis um reddit thread you know i think there's a whole page on reddit that you know where they talk about it and i'm, I'm sure like, that, that's yeah. gotta be great like you know that's got to be really liberating in a lot of ways. Um, I yeah. had to figure. I just sort of just figure that stuff out, and uh, I, I don't know if it's better or worse because I only know my own mm. my own experience. I, I you know I, I wonder sometimes if I had found the the, the the online communities, if I had would have just like tried to, you know, who knows? Maybe you get lost in those communities and end up accepting what you have, and 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 that's it. I'm not right. really sure. Yeah, well, that's an that's an interesting. Uh... That's an interesting thought because we've talked a lot about like, we've talked extensively about like um, support, support groups, groups and, yeah. and, and communities to do with yeah. whatever it is that somebody might be dealing with and like the pros and cons. And it, and it's, it's interesting how we've been doing this show for eight years and, and uh, the jury seems to still be out on, on, on whether, yeah. I mean, it's, it's down to the individual, of course. Um, but if, but answering that question objectively is certainly, yeah. is certainly uh seems to be quite the challenge. Where are you at now with your, with your, um, you know, your relationship to, to peeing in public? It's yeah, a, <laughs> a fucking that's a hilarious great question. question. I know the great question. <laughs> I never thought I'd have to answer in a, in a public forum, <laughs> but, um, but let's talk about it. No. Um, so I got pretty good. I would say on a scale of, you know, a hundred being fully beat and one being like still where I was, I'm probably in like 90, 90, between 90 and 95. Like, oh well, yeah. Most cases, it's really not an issue anymore, um, but it, it still comes up once in a while. When the, when the element of the unknown uh, enters into the picture, that's when it really comes back. And that's that shadow version of myself mm -hmm. comes in and says, I got you now. There's nowhere you can go. <laughs> and we're going to, you know, we're going to make you suffer for all the, you know, for thinking you beat me. So like you can't, you got to be a little humble and think and say to yourself that I never, I haven't fully beat it yet. And does that look like, does like when that, when it does rear its head, does that, um, does that look like, a a new location and getting familiar with that location. If it is a location that was like a place that you will, you know, you, you will ultimately revisit. Like, does that yeah. get, it gets, does it get easier and easier? Like if you were on, you know, if you're at your job and you go yeah. into the office and they're like, all right, well, like we're, we're like uh, this whole, this whole section of the company is going to move to the, you know, the 20th floor instead of the 15th, you know, is that like, okay, Gotta get used to yeah, that now. There's a learning curve or a little bit of a learning curve. Um, cause it actually, I really noticed it during the pandemic, you know, we all worked from home, mm. uh, for, I don't know, yeah, we, <laughs> a year at least. And then like, so you're going back into offices and public spaces. I had to relearn some of that stuff. Yeah. A little bit. Right. Totally. Um, but, uh, you know, 
the the unknown could be things where I just won't go back. I was in the uh, the Oculus, you know, where the World Trade Center is. Bathrooms are terrible there, and I'm just not going to go back there. <laughs> it's like right. I walked in; it was like it was a line. I'm like, forget this. You know, there's yeah. other places to go. I just won't put myself in that situation. But if it's a situation where you have to put yourself, then it you you have to kind of sometimes you have to. It takes a few tries, or yeah. What's your do you, um? This might be a really silly question and if you don't have an answer for it it's totally okay but uh do you have a do you have a favorite public bathroom in new york um i like yes joe allen uh it's a theater restaurant on um on 40 on 46th street um it's it's like it's like sardis but the cool sardis and they have i think four like lined up little individual ones and so like there's always going to be one open it's because it's not that big of a restaurant and so like I think they got probably got the best setup because nice. yeah. if there's one busy, you go to the second one. You got three, you got four more to go. So yeah, I that's like it. that one. <laughs> do you? I, what's I, you? Like what's your, I I do. What's yours? Uh, so so I got it's a split in the, Halifax, obviously the local at Hall in Halifax. I oh, love the local inter- bathroom. Oh, interesting. They're great. That's private little booth. I mean, it's private, but that's yourself. where the but that's where the pros end. No, it, well, no, but it's yeah. I I like it. There's something okay. that I like the dinginess of it. There's something, but you know what? It's so, dingy. So, so, <laughs> it is dingy. But there's another. <laughs> there's another. There's another one that's maybe maybe gonna like boot that out. And it's it's the it's the, <laughs> take the top I, spot. I take the top spot for my favorite bathroom, public bathroom in in Halifax, which is uh, right next door to us. Uh, a new beer garden opened up, and they have those like outdoor. Oh, bathrooms yes, yes. and when you go in you're like jesus christ there's a Ro- spacious a fucking spacious room with a toilet i got my own mirror it's like a-, a home bathroom it is yeah i mean with public what? bathroom you know uh access yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah it's the newer the newer setups have really got they've come a long way i totally yeah. a, a lot of restaurants now high-end ones they've they've followed the european model yes yes like, they have been, where it's like you yeah. could you could be sealed in there and it's like soundproof walls and yeah it's, yeah it's really, I mean, you you could record the podcast in there no one's gonna hear yeah, it. exactly yeah. yeah I mean I'm, I'm thinking about the I'm thinking about the urinal situation at the at the Y at the gym at the Y at the, in the, y, in the premium think. lockers yep. that would be I mean that would be Christopher your worst fucking nightmare they there's <laughs> there's no walls next to them. They're they're and kind of low sitting and it's glass. And actually, the walls are glass. <laughs> there are no walls. <laughs> it's just it's just, oh. it's just it's just a urinal. It's just it's like oh, five okay, urinals yeah, yeah. next to each other, right, right, right. and they're like they're like low sitting. I mean, it's just like the ones are, like the ones where like the it's an exhibitionist dream. Okay, these urinals. Right. I don't know what my favorite one is. I I know I I think it'd be crazy to say that. I think it'd be crazy if anybody doesn't if it, if a, if it's a I don't have a favorite one, but I know a great one when I see it. Yeah, right. You know? Right. I uh, I was in Russia. I was in Moscow um, a number of years ago um, filming a, a, a documentary. Well, they're all about collectivism, so they're all just peeing in the same thing. Dude, I went to the bathroom in this like very ritzy restaurant in Moscow. And when I went into the bathroom, there were, there was... It was a trough. There were, no, there were two toilets facing each other. Like there you go. That that and I was like, this is fucking. I don't know what this. Like I guess it's just meant to like, you know, take a shit with your buddy and have a conversation. I think it's the Kremlin trying to (laughs) trying to weed out any Westerners. (laughs) (laughs) That's how the that's how the Kremlin takes political prisoners. Yeah, they just go get the one who won't use it. (laughs) That's it. Weirdly though, if I'm in a foreign country, it's not as as much of an issue because if I don't speak. 
the language and they don't ah. speak my language. I, I feel like they, there's less judgment. Uh, and I don't know that that's probably. Wow. Interesting. I, I get yeah. that. Wow. I, I get that. I feel that. I feel that in like a broad sense mm. when I travel like that, yeah. that I'm just like, <laughs> like you have no idea what I'm saying. So I guess, yeah, whatever. <laughs> like we don't, we're not, we're, we're, we're just, we're yeah, just speaking whereas, gibberish to each other. Yeah, whereas people here can really just take you down a lot easier with a, with, with a, a sharp cut, you know? Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, Why is your piss so loud? <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh no, in there? Fuck. Yeah. you just sent me back 10 years, brother. What are you doing? <laughs> well, Christopher, um, uh, I, 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 thank you, dude. This has been, it's been a really interesting conversation. We don't often, uh, have a chance to speak to people about, um, about like, like social phobias is not really something we've touched on. We, and, and this, it is a really interesting topic. And, and, uh, also it's, it's, I mean, maybe one of the reasons why we haven't talked about it a lot is because it's hard for people to talk about, um, social anxieties and social phobias. Like even the thought, the thought of speaking about it is fucking, you know, is hard for people. So, so we really appreciate you taking time to sit down and go through. Yeah, this no, this has been great. I really appreciate you guys having me on. And, and it's, it's funny. Like I, I have no, I have so little experience talking about this out loud that it's been a lot more comfortable than I would have imagined. I think part of it is because you, you, you run a really comfortable environment here, which is really nice. Well, yeah, thanks. Oh, thank you. How, how can, um, you, you mentioned it earlier, but uneducated, uh, the book that you, um, uh-huh. have recently it's is it it's out now is that it's out now it was published by little brown it came out in may um it's you know it's available on every book selling platform that you can imagine so yeah please please take a look i would i would love it if, if people would read it and check it out cool well thank you so much again this has been a real treat yeah thank you take care Well, there you go, folks. Hope you enjoyed that conversation. As always, we are coming at you Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. And if you are a fan of the podcast and you want to support the podcast, there's a number of ways you can do that. First of all, you can leave a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts. We love reading them. You can simply rate the podcast on the Spotify mobile app, if that's where you're listening. Or if you want to join the conversation, hop on over to our Discord. The link is in the show notes of this episode. And uh, we have a lovely little community over there of sickos and non-sickos all hanging out, chatting. And uh, hey, you could even help produce the podcast over there if you want. You can, again, find that link in the show notes below. Sick Boy Podcast is produced and co-hosted by myself, Jeremy Saunders, Taylor McGilvery, and Brian Stever. The show is managed by Jeffrey Lonis over at Talent Bureau. The sound design of this episode is brought to you by Donovan the CPAP Morgan. And, of course, the theme music is from the band Take Part. That is it for this week. I'm Jeremy, and this is Sick Boy. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.